know me, my name is Josh. I am the student pastor here at South Point Church. And basically that means I oversee anywhere from sixth grade all the way through their college years, um, which I'll explain a little bit more about that in just a second. But I also want to take a second and just welcome everybody who is live streaming right now. Church, can we get up for our live streamers? Man. Trust me, hey, if you're watching online, can I tell you, we are a lot better in person. We would love to meet you, give you a hug. I promise we're not weird, um, but the only way you can find out is if you come. Um, <laughs> but hey, I'm super excited, and first thing I just want to do is I want to honor our pastors, um, our senior pastors, Pastor Scott and Jenny, and I want to take a moment to honor them because sometimes we don't recognize the weight that they carry on their shoulders. They are literally responsible for our lives, uh, really shepherding this house and making a difference in the community, and that is a lot of weight, and it's something that I think sometimes we often take too lightly and we don't recognize, but I want to take a moment and just give it up for our senior pastors, Pastor Scott and Pastor Jenny. And I've only been here a month and a half. Uh, I'm, I'm still new to Oklahoma, but can I tell you, one of the biggest things that was like, man, I need to be here was because of our pastors, the humility that they carry, just the authenticity that they walk in and day, day in and day out. And I love it. Pastor Scott, when he speaks, I mean, he is the same person on and off, like on and off stage. Like he's like, what's going on, man? Like on stage and you see him in person, what's up, man? And he's like, so even like kill, it's so funny. But, but hey, I just want to let you guys know of a couple of cool things that are happening here within South Point. And like I said, I'm the student pastor here, and that means I oversee our United Student Ministry. I got some of my United people right there in the front row. Come on. And can I tell you, God has just been doing crazy and incredible things. We actually had a summer camp about a month or so ago where a couple of our students got baptized. How many know that is just awesome? Like, that is amazing. And I'm so excited for what's going to be coming here at United. And if you're a parent in here, we're going to be having an info meeting, a vision night, uh, how I like to say it, on August 18th at 6 p.m. So make sure you're there as I cast vision of what we're going to be doing. Because uh, it's not what possibly we may be doing. No, we are going to be making an impact in our community and our students are going to be. Uh, and I love it. We're not the next generation. We're the now generation. Um, and you can see, and we're going to embed that in our students. You see how I have them on the front row? It's because I'm telling them, get on the front row. Uh, I, don't play, I don't play games. I want them to be the leaders everywhere they are at. Secondly, we have a college ministry that is starting called The Nine. Everybody say The Nine. And I, and I know some of you are like, what is the spiritual symbolism? Um, there isn't any. Uh, it's just, it just so happens our service starts at 9 o'clock at night. And some of you are like, that is blasphemous. Just uh, send an email to southpointoffice.com. Um, but, but, hey, we are launching a college ministry, and this is great because what we're doing is we're bridging the gaps because I think it's like statistically one out of five college students stop going to church, start, stop like becoming invested because, man, you're out of your parents' roof. What's the point of going? And we want to bridge that gap. And we have amazing leaders, Aaron and Morgan Slagle, who are helping oversee that and are killing it. So our launch is August 1st. So that is amazing. So make sure you follow us if you're a young adult or a college student at the nine. And then last but not least, I know some of you are like, man, he is just like info Wikipedia. He keeps going. Let me tell you the last thing. We are starting an internship here at South Point Church. 
And this is why it's exciting. Maybe you're, you're like, man, I really want to uh, pursue ministry uh, where it can possibly become a full-time job. And you want to learn a little bit more about the ins and the outs of the church. Can I tell you first thing? Uh, during the week, we are not in here five days a week praying. Uh, there's a little bit more that goes into ministry than that. But if you want to get some more hands-on experience and maybe you say you want to go into ministry or you want to increase your serve, we are going to be having an interest meeting on August 4th uh, in a couple of weeks. So here's why I'm saying all of this. It is amazing to be a part of a church where we have so many things going on where people, we are literally positioning people to become equipped so that they can have a transformed life. Amen? Amen. Is that exciting? Come on. Is anybody excited about that? I know some of you are like, man, I don't like clapping. Well, guess what? I have a little bit of a Pentecostal in me. Uh, so I may be looking for a response uh, at some point or another. And some of you are like, man, I just got weirded out. All right. But hey, uh, and out of all the things that are happening, the biggest goal is I want people to leave transformed. Not coming in and leaving the, that the way they came in, not, not basically staying the same way. I want them to have an encounter with Jesus. And I know that is the heartbeat of our church is for them to have an encounter of, with Jesus so that you guys can understand that we love God and we love people. But all that is birthed out of an encounter. Does everybody understand me so far? But, um, and I want to talk about tonight that transformation. How can we step in to that transformational life and Basically, if you want to give a sentence to my message, it's basically this. Stepping into a transformational life requires me to understand the transfigured Jesus. Let's go ahead and pray. God, I'm just so thankful and honored to be in here this morning. Lord, I'm thankful just to be in here with my family because um, everybody in here is family. And God, I'm praying that this morning that our hearts are receptive to hear what you want us to hear, Lord. And that, Lord, it's not my words that are making an impact, but it's what you've put on my heart and the words that you are speaking through me. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. So this morning, we're gonna be staying in a passage of scripture in Matthew 17, and Michael, I'm sorry if I'm moving around too much, just holler at me and I'll stay right here, okay? I'm just a walker, I just need to move. But we're gonna be in the, uh, Matthew 17 where it's basically Jesus' transfiguration. The moment Jesus becomes transfigured. And we're going to walk through this passage because I believe that we need to understand fully what is happening here in order for us as people to walk out transformed. And here's what it says in Matthew 17, 1 through 13. It says this. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as a light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified, terrified. Do any of you have like a significant moment in your life that you will always remember for the rest of your life? Like for some of you, it's the day that you got married. Others of you, and maybe when you have your first child, or maybe even going back to your childhood, there was something significant that happened in your childhood that you will always remember. That now, no matter how old you get, you can always reflect at what happened at 
the point or whatever happened when you were like five or six. And for me, I have a significant moment that I would like to share that's part of my story, just to give you a rough spark notes version. Uh, I grew up in a Christian household. My parents are watching. Hi, mom. Hi, dad. But, sorry, you guys are like, what's happening? But, but I had a significant moment in my life um, right around 10th grade. And around this time, I was really starting to get in with the bad crowd. I started, you know, smoking weed, doing drugs, drinking alcohol. And I really just, and I'm like 16, okay? Uh, and really just started getting on the edge of like, man, I just want to do what I want to do. I don't care. And I remember going to this youth ministry uh, where the youth pastor made a statement. And he said, show me your five best friends, and I'll show you where you'll be in five years. That statement changed my life because what happened is I went home in my bed and was just thinking. Everybody, any, anybody ever have those moments where you just lay down and you're just in your thought life, like you're just thinking? And I was thinking, and I'm like, man, who are my five best friends? Oh, yeah, druggy, this, that, and the other. I'm like, man, what does my five years look like? Uh, not alive. Um, and I remember just having that moment where I was like, Jesus, I need you to be real. I need you to be someone in my life that I can count on. And I remember just a peace came over me. And can I tell you, from that, that day on, from that day forward, I have been totally committed to serving Jesus. Because not only did it, like, I leave what my parents had, their faith, not in the sense of my faith became my own. It wasn't something I was borrowing from my parents. No, when I was serving the Lord, I was doing it because I wanted to. Because it was something that was on my heart. When it came to attending church, that when it became a priority, that was something that was me. That is something that I was pursuing. And so I started owning my own faith. And I say all this is because there is a significant moment that the disciples are experiencing here. Peter, James, and John are having a significant moment moment. And I believe some of us in here in this room tonight need to catch that significant moment because that significant moment could change the rest of our lives. That significant moment could start and birth a transformation within our lives. And no matter how long you've been coming here to church, no matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter whatever, I believe until we truly grasp what's happening in this passage, we are facing a blockage in our transformation and experiencing what God has for us. And so, how do I step into a transformational life? The first one is this, and if you're taking notes, I encourage you, there's gonna be a lot of content coming here. The first one is this, I must recognize the glory of Jesus. I must recognize the glory of Jesus. I like this because, you know, I've grown up in the church all my life, and you always hear like somebody saying, glory to God. Come on, like, you, see, you meet somebody that's feeling it. Like, they're like, glory, thank you, Lord, glory. But I wonder how many times have we actually grasped the glory of Jesus? How many times has, have we actually said that but not really know what we're saying? Because if we're honest, sometimes the Jesus that we come to see is only on Christmas and Easter. Or sometimes the Jesus that we come to have a relationship with is an occasional Sunday thought believes on our Mondays. Has the glory really resonated with inside your heart? Who Jesus really and truly is, has that become significant 
to you in your life. See, I think we have to get past something. I love reading Jesus' story, but Jesus is not just a guy that came on the earth and did a couple miracles. Jesus is so much more than a guy like healing the sick. Those are facets of who Jesus is, but that is not nearly coming close to the glory of Jesus and who he is. He's so much bigger. He's so much greater than our comprehension that we can't even in our minds fathom that glory. But then we can get to a point in our thought life where Jesus is bigger than what I've just read. Like, because you got to remember the disciples are writing this in the Gospels. You, you, you got to imagine, like, these are disciples. Like, they're only, they can barely describe what is happening right now. And I love what it says in verse 2 of Matthew 17. It says, therefore, he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. They were captivated by what was happening with Jesus. And, you know, I think another word for glory is weight. And I looked this up, and it is actually a synonym, so to speak, that another word for glory is weight. Has the weight of Jesus resonated within your heart? Has the weight of who Jesus is actually sunk in inside of your heart this morning? Because I believe until we really grasp the glory of Jesus or the weight of Jesus, we will lack surrender and we will lack pursuit. If Jesus is only somebody that we think about on Sunday, or if Jesus is only somebody that we'll really get engaged with on Christmas and Easter, man, we will never surrender our lives truly. If Jesus is just somebody we come to uh, hear, hear about just because of routine, we'll miss it. We'll lack surrender. And because we lack surrender, we'll lack pursuit, which leads to us not experiencing a transformational life. But can I tell you, church, that Jesus wants you to experience life change. He has something for you. But in order to get there, we got to understand, man, the glory of Jesus. We got to understand the weight of Jesus, of who he is, and the weight that he holds in our heart. Amen. Number two, I must know the position of Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, position. Come on, come on, church. Listen, I told you I'm a little bit Pentecostal. You better start talking, all right? Look at your neighbor and say position. And here's what it says in verse 4. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three, three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said this. This is my son, whom I love, with him. I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Peter gets caught slipping. Here's what happens. Peter, you know, Peter's just trying to be nice. I'm going to build a shelter. You know, Moses, Elijah, you know, Jesus. Okay, I'm going to build them a shelter. Here's the thing. Peter put Elijah and Moses on the same playing field as Jesus. Peter put Jesus on the same playing field as Moses and Elijah. Here's why Moses is there and Elijah is there. So I can give you a little bit of context. Moses represents the law. He's the one that wrote down the Ten Commandments. But he represents the law because 
as we know, Jesus came to abolish the law, to fulfill a new covenant. Here's why Elijah's there. Elijah represents the prophets. Because every time you look at the Old Testament, they are basically referring to what's going to be happening in the New Testament with Jesus. But ultimately, Moses and Elijah are servants of God. Jesus over here is the son of God. Come on, some of you, ain't re- that's not resonating with you. Moses, great dude, you know, split the Red Sea. That is awesome. He is a great person that we look to and we read about. Elijah, you know, in one of his passages, you know, we see that he brought fire from heaven. Pretty cool dude. Guess what? They're servants of God. Jesus is the son of God. And I want to let that resonate with some of you this morning because um, let me give an example. Um, Anybody play sports in here or played sports? So when I played sports, I like to say I'm athletic. Um, I, ever since I moved to Oklahoma, everything seems to be fried here. Do you guys have grilled chicken? No, it's fried chicken. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to get back. I got a YMCA membership. Don't be hating. $40 a month, people. $40 a month. This is crazy. Um, sorry, I'm just going off on a tangent. But <laughs> I played basketball. I love, love basketball. I played in rec. I played in school. Uh, I love it. But you always had some guys who think they were the best. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you are like, yeah, I'm sitting beside that person. Um, But there's those people that think they run the team. And I remember, like, I might just think I'm, like, I'm pretty good. Like, I'm not average, just maybe a little bit below. I'm trying to exercise my humility, so just say, yeah, amen. Um, So I see that these, when I'm, like, playing basketball, these guys, when we're in games, they're running the point are calling these plays. But the coach, who is the coach, is calling a different play. Now, I'm not saying that these guys aren't good, but they don't hold a position over me to be switching up the plays. Because at the end of the day, when I go back into my team huddle, my coach is going to be looking at me. What did you do? Did you follow what I said? Or did you follow what these other guys over here said? And so I have to recognize that my coach hold a, held a different position and a different level of authority over my life than the players I was playing with, than my teammates. That he holds the ultimate position. See, if I don't recognize the glory, I will equate the position of Jesus in my life with something that should be secondary in my life. Come on, let me say that again. If I don't recognize the glory, I will equate the position of Jesus in my life with something that should be secondary in your life. Maybe for you, it's your business that you're starting. Maybe for others, it's your job. And I say all those things because we always have things in our life that are trying to take the position of Jesus. And if we're not careful, we can often find ourselves letting those things have position over our life and letting Jesus be the secondary person. Jesus is not secondary. We see all throughout scripture. He's a jealous God. Jealous in a good way where nothing goes above Jesus. Nothing goes above our relationship. But I feel like so often we can get caught up with the things of life and, you know, we give Jesus the secondary spot when he should be number one. See, I know what has the ultimate position in my life. Firstly, by where I spend my time. Where's my time spent? Where's my time spent? 
Think about it. In your daily lives, where is your time mostly spent? Now, I'm not saying, all right, honey, clear the calendar. We're going to church every single day. Like, what? No, I'm not saying that. But really, think about where is your time spent right now? Is Jesus in that top priority? Because you can be in your business or at your job five days a week and still keep Jesus your priority. It's possible. It is possible. Secondly is, where do I put my energy and my effort in? And I'm convicted of this. Sometimes in my, in my journey, I have came to church and I've been here, but I haven't really, like, I'm not really here. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're here physically, but mentally you're not engaging. You're thinking about work. You're thinking about your job. You're thinking about different things that are going on in different circumstances in your life right now. And so you're physically here, but you're not mentally here. And how do we know this? Because sometimes it reflects in our worship when we're worshiping on a Sunday morning. And I'm not saying everybody needs to have their hands lifted and like, you know, fist bump. I'm, I'm not saying all of that. But I'm saying, man, are we putting energy physically and mentally into the things of God? Or are we just using the reserves of what we have left from our week to give to God? Because I believe Sunday is the first day of our week. That's where we give Jesus our 10%. Not, I love that scripture. It's not just equating just tithe, but it's also equating our time. What has the ultimate position over your life? Thirdly, I need to become dependent on Jesus. I need to become dependent on Jesus. Uh, parents, you'll get a crack out of this. So I'm in sixth grade, right? Uh, and I'm feeling good, feeling pretty good. Uh, just transferred out of a private school into a public school. Oh, Lord. And so, you know, I'm coming home with new words to say, and my mom's like, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I mean, so I, I, I'm, coming, I'm coming home with some new words, and then I finally, I, I finally came to the point, man, I'm ready for a girlfriend. I'm, and I'm, like, excited about this. And I met this girl named Brandy. She was a softball player. She was a volleyball player. She was pretty well known. I'm like, oh, man, Brandy, you're the one. You're the one that I'm going to marry for the rest of our lives. We will be together. And so we started dating. And, you know, that relationship was hard to, like, keep together because, you know, I didn't have, like, Verizon Wireless. No, your boy had a track phone, a track phone. Anybody know what a track phone is? It's where you go to Walmart and you're like, that's only supposed to get you through a day if you, like, lost your phone. No, I had a track phone for about three years of my life. So every time I would try to send a message, 50 cents deducted. And, I mean, I'm, like, giving my soul <laughs> every time I would send a text message. But, you know, me and, me and Brandy, we, we had a great idea. Man, our relationship needs to go past just seeing each other in school. Like, we need to, like, get together outside of school. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's what we need to do. Like, that's how we're going to make this work. Because remember, we're together forever and ever. Um, and so here's what happens. I, we're trying to set things up where we're going to go see a movie and go eat. And as I'm going to my mom, I'm like, hey, mom, uh, I'm going to go with Brandy to uh, see a movie and go eat. Mom's like, cool. I'm like, <laughs> And then she started asking me questions I didn't think of before. Question one, how are you getting there? And I'm like, 
the power of God. I don't know. I mean, um, she asked me how I was getting there. How am I getting from point A to point B? And I'm like, well, I haven't thought that far. And I really didn't want my parents going there. And so I recognized they have to be my ride. I'm 11 years old at the time. I can't drive. I'm like four foot five. Like I can't even touch the pedals. So I, I came to that recognition that, okay, I need them to get from point A to point B. Here's the second realization that I had. Your boy was broke. I had no job. So even if I got from point A to point B, how in the world am I going to pay for point B? You know, movie tickets are like $12. Like, this ain't cheap. You know, and dinner, I mean, even if we stopped at buying McDonald's, you're still looking at $5, like, even with a junior cheeseburger, ketchup only, and, like, a soda. You're still looking at paying something. And I remember, wow, I am really dependent on my parents to not only give me a ride, but to also pay for everything there. And I think about that, and just to let you know, like, it was the worst day ever because both her parents came with her sister and both my parents came with my little brother, and we sat, like, right in the front. Um, but they were exactly one row behind us. Uh, so you best believe nobody was holding hands. Uh, we were looking at Nemo for about an hour and 45 minutes just awkwardly, not even talking. Um, just let that. Parents, you, has anybody experienced that yet? Have you guys experienced a couple of you? Uh, with Students, there you go. That was for you as well. A learning moment. But we have to be dependent on Jesus. And see, it says in verse 6, when the disciples heard this, they fell face down on the ground, terrified. You see, for me to have dependency on Jesus, I need to know who I am in order to really understand who he is. I need to know who I am in order to really understand who he is. Now, I'm going to ask you to repeat some stuff back to me. This is going to make you uncomfortable because you probably have never, never have said it out loud. But I, I'm just telling you to trust me. First one is this. I am broken. Say, I am broken. Number two. I am sinful. Say, I am sinful. Number three, I am a person who struggles. See, I, I think sometimes we try to fake it. Like, we don't, we think, oh, I'm all good. I got all my stuff together. It's all great. Like, and you're faking freedom. But the reality of it is that we are broken, that we are sinful people. We have, even when you were born, you were born into a sinful nature. Because of what happened all the way back in the garden. So we're broken. We are people who struggle. We are people that deal with sin in our life. Now, I'm not saying some of you are like, man, I've been feeling like that all my life. Like, I've been broken. And I'm not saying that to put, like, this uh, context over you of who you are. But what I want you to understand is what Jesus provides in those moments. See, even though I am broken, Jesus is whole. Even when I have sinned, he provides grace. Even when I feel lonely like nobody's there for me, he's my best friend. Even when I feel weak, he is my strength. 
Even when I feel defenseless, he is my protection. Even when my life is so inconsistent, it feels like sand and everything's going, falling apart, guess what? He's my rock. Oh, it is so important for us to know who he, who he is, what he provides. And some of us need to have that realization of saying, you know what? I am broken. I am sinful. I am a person that struggles, but it's okay because everything that I am not, Jesus is. Everything that I struggle with, he is. Come on, we can give God a shout of praise on that one. Jesus is everything that we are not. Because dependency helps create a healthy exposure in our life. When we become dependent on Jesus, we start really seeing, man, this area of my life is pretty jacked up. This is pretty scary right now. See, dependency helps create a healthy exposure and for me and sometimes I, I find that we're often we're putting dependency on something or someone it's just not Jesus for me I have had this uh this problem that I've been dealing with and even to this day where I have had just a dependency on people to give me words of affirmation anybody a words of affirmation person in here a couple of you yeah where I am looking for a compliment I'm looking for someone to say, you did a really good job. And I'm not saying like those are always bad. Like, you know, hopefully you're getting complimented every once in a while. But it became really a couple years back where I needed to hear affirmation about my calling and who I was. And I'm relying on people to give me affirmation on people. And let's remember, people are broken, sinful, and inconsistent. And I was relying on them to speak words over me that Jesus has already spoke into me. And sometimes, and, I, and if you're like me, you, you've had this problem, whether it's with someone or something, you've had this problem where, man, am I really dependent on Jesus? Or am I depending on a person? Or am, am I depending on my business? Or am I dependent uh, even, on, even sometimes your wife? Can I tell you, it's, Jesus above everything. Because if this ain't right right here, man, how are you expecting this to be right? In your other, like your, your family life, your business life, where you're working. It always has to be dependent on Jesus. You know, here's how we can put ourselves in a position to be totally dependent on Jesus. First one is this. When is the last time you were raw with God? When was the last time you were raw with God? I'm going to offend some people. When's the last time you almost cussed? In your prayer because sometimes we think prayer like all right supper time thank you lord for this food let it be a nourishment to our body in jesus name amen and that's the extent of our prayer life sometimes but in order for us to be dependent on jesus we got to be real with him about where we're at in our life god i'm struggling my marriage is on the line god i'm struggling where are you at God, I'm, I, you, I've heard these promises. I've heard these promises. I'm, I'm, I'm 30 years old, and I, I don't see these promises coming to fruition in my life. Where are you at, God? And it's in those moments when we're raw with God that we offer God a position in our hearts where we can be totally reliant and dependent on him. Secondly, when's the last time you turned to your point group leader for counsel in, in a situation in your life instead of trying to take, it, take the situation on your own? 
When's the last time you talked to accountability or mentors or people in your life? Can I tell you, and it breaks my heart, I've had so many conversations just this week where people have this idea that they need to walk through life alone, that they're, they're having the Kelly Clarkson moment, whatever doesn't kill me makes me stronger. Yeah. You don't have to wait for that moment. Why are you waiting until you hit rock bottom? Why are you waiting? And we're thinking somehow that when we hit rock bottom and when we come to the end of ourselves that, all right, then I'll get to Jesus. No, why don't right now where you're at in your life, just be dependent on Jesus. And you know, Jesus can often work through people, through the leaders in the church, through your point group leaders, through your accountability. Are you dependent on Jesus this morning? The last thing, man, when I recognize the glory, when I know the position, when I realize the need uh, for dependency in my life, I will organically go through transformation. I will organically go through trans, uh, transformation. And here's the thing, I can't expect an outward transformation until I've had a spiritual recognition of who Jesus is of his glory, of his position, of my need to be dependent on him. And just a moment, I'm gonna read a Psalm, Psalms 27. And can I tell you, this is probably gonna be the scripture that I will wake up saying for the rest of my life. And I just stumbled across it. I wasn't looking, Psalms 27, what does it say? No, I just stumbled across it in my uh, devotional time. And, it, and all throughout this passage that I'm about to read, you see the position of God, the glory of God, and the dependency we need. In Psalms 27, it says this, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army may besiege me, my heart will not fear. The war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord for all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me. Answer me. My heart says if you seek his face, your face, Lord, I will see. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me. God, my Savior, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. How many know that is a promise that you need to keep over your life? That every time he is recognizing the glory, the position, and the dependency that we as people of God have to be censored in. And I believe that that can lead to your transformation. And if we can just play softly just for a moment, uh, with every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody just looking around just a time of just being reverent. First thing is this, uh, anytime I speak, I always wanna give an opportunity. Maybe some of you are like, 
man, I haven't even experienced this transformation. Like, Jesus hasn't even been a thought in my life. You talk about Sunday thoughts, I haven't had a Sunday thought about him. And Jesus hasn't become real to you and you don't have a relationship with him. And if you're saying, man, Josh, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I want one today, do you mind doing me a favor and just slipping your hand up if that's you this morning? that's you this morning. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus, awesome. Cool. Secondly is this. Man, maybe you're saying, Josh, I've struggled in a lot of those areas where I have not recognized the glory of Jesus. I struggle with giving him position, the number one position in my life, and I have struggled being dependent on him. If you're saying you struggle with any one of those areas, would you mind just slipping up your hand? And I'm going to lift my hand up as well, because that's me. That's me. Man, awesome. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to just pray this prayer over you. God, I'm thankful for the people in this room this morning. That, Lord, I'm thankful that you are a person who deserves our praise. And that, Lord, I pray that we come to the recognition that of your glory, that you're so big that we can't even fathom it. I I pray that we come to the recognition of your position, Lord, that God, whatever may be in that overall head position of our lives, that's not you. God, I pray that you help us remove that because we want Jesus to be our focus in our life. And lastly, God, Lord, for us that are struggling with being dependent, maybe it's just us not, just us and our ego, not wanting to be dependent thing and we gotta take things on our own. God, I pray that you would just remove that pride from our hearts, that ego from our hearts, Lord, but that we would just become dependent on you and not just embrace the words that man says about us, Lord, but we would just embrace who you say we are, Lord, that we have a calling, that we have a purpose and that we have potential for our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, hey, can we just go ahead and stand to our feet this morning? We're going to sing just a brief uh, worship song really fast. But this is the time where you can engage, engage with God.